Hey friends, we are here for our first online gathering for uh, our study. We're going to call this a Bible lab. And the question that we're going to answer is how do we read and study the Bible? And uh, really, I just want to give you some tools, some things that you might be able to do to help uh, aid in your Bible study and in your time in the Word each day. So one of the first things that we do before we begin any study of the scripture, is we take time to pray. So let's pray and ask the Lord to guide our time. Father, thank you for this time we're going to have together around your word today. And uh, we just pray that you would guide and direct our minds and our hearts, that our time together would be honoring to you, and that you would use your word to produce fruit in our lives, that you might use it to help us to change in a way that might honor you, and that you might use it to motivate our hearts, motivate our minds to action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're actually going to start from the very, very beginning. I'm going to show you uh, what I do when I approach any text of Scripture. And we're actually going to be studying in the book of Genesis for this study, the beginning of Abram's narrative. And so one of the first things that I like to do is I like to go right here to BibleGateway.com. And uh, one of the things that we can do uh, here at BibleGateway.com is we can select what version of the scripture that we want to use. And so we are looking at using the ESV, the English Standard Version. So we want to go right there. And the text that we're going to be studying together is Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. And you can actually do this with me as I do this. That way you'll have a copy of the text right next to you that you can work off of um, as we study together. So now we hit search and we come up with the text right here. This is the call of Abram. So what I like to do is I like to actually highlight this whole text. Oops, let me make sure I get it right here. There we go. We're going to highlight this whole text. We're going to copy. And what I like to do is I like to go to a Word document. We'll open up Microsoft Word. And we're going to make a new document, a blank document. And I like to actually create a table. Um, not a big table like that. And we're just going to create... Um, it'll let us. Oh, we'll just paste the text in here. And so there's the text pasted into Word. And what you can do at home is you can double space the text on a piece of paper and then, or even triple space, and then you can print this page out and you'll have it right next to you uh, to use to study as we go through these nine verses together. So we have the text that we're studying, we've put it into a Word document, we've pasted it in, and so we actually want to go now to a live version of our text here in this app that I'm using. The name of this app is PDF Expert, if you're interested in it. It's a great app to use for Bible study or for interacting uh, or annotating any kind of document that you may be wanting to work on. As we approach the scriptures and we start 
at the very beginning, we're asking this question, and it's a question that's related to observation. We're asking the question, what do I see? And so that's all we're going to do today. We're just going to answer the question of what do I see in the text. So what we want to do now is I want to pause and I want you to actually take time to read all nine verses and then come back. So go ahead and hit the pause button, read all nine verses of Genesis chapter 12, and then we'll come back together. Okay, so if you've taken some time to read these nine verses, and I hope that you have, one of the first things that we're going to do is we're going to look for the people that we're going to meet in this text, in this narrative. Um, it's really important to know who we're going to meet. And so right away we see the Lord and we see Abraham. And I'm just going to go ahead and highlight them in blue as we look for them in the text. So in those three verses, those are the only two names that stand out. So we'll scroll down to verses 4 to 6 when we see again Abram the Lord. Now we meet Lot. Lot happens to be Abram's brother's son, all right? We meet Sarai, who's Abram's wife, and you see all these names that are in here. I also like to identify people groups, and so we have the Canaanites who are in the land that the Lord is calling Abram to, and so we want to highlight them as well. And then again, in the final set of verses, the Lord and Abram, and I believe you have the Lord uh, multiple times here in verses 7 to 9. And so what all we've done is we've initially gone through the text and we've highlighted the names of all of the individuals that we're going to meet in the text. People are important. The Lord works through people. And so we want to know uh, the people that we're going to meet in the text. And really, as we know who we're going to meet in the text, we can start to rely on previous knowledge, what we know from that narrative, to help us as we make our observations. So people are important, but another thing that is important to highlight is places. So I want to look at the different places that uh, we're going to come into contact with as we go through this text. And in the first uh, three verses here, there's no specific places mentioned. Now, this is actually going to be a really big part of Abram's narrative, land and places. So we want to take time to highlight. So here we see Haran. Uh, Haran. We see the land of Canaan. I like to just have all three of those words there. We see this place, Shechem. And uh, there's this other place, if you see, passes through the land of Shechem to the Oak of Mora. So that really represents a place too. And so we want to highlight that. And then as we work down through, there's a few more places here in the final few verses. Bethel is a place that's uh, named. Um, and really this hill country, because it's something different. Oops. It's something different than Bethel. So we want to just make sure we're highlighting that. The hill country. AI we meet. Uh, and Negev. So those are the places that we meet in this narrative. 
And so all we're doing is making observations, and we're going back now to the first three verses. And a key in answering the question of what do I see, something that you can look for in almost every Bible passage that's going to be an immediate key to alert you to the meaning of the text is repetition. Do you see repetition? And if you see repetition in the text, then your mind should be alerted that the repetition is there for a reason. Repetition in the Bible is not by accident. Um, it's there for a reason. And so in these first three verses, there's actually quite a bit of repetition that we want to point out. So first, uh, we see this word that appears, I believe, uh, four or five times in these first three verses, and it's the word bless. All right, God tells Abram, I will bless you, make your name great, you will be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who dishonor you, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And along with those blessings, it, it's even though that's repetition, it's also interesting to note where there's a contrast. And so I like to note a contrast in red. So this word curse obviously stands in contrast to the blessings. But there's another observation, kind of a, a repetitious observation that we can make in these first three verses. And that's this word, I, and it's connected back to the Lord and really is directing us to all the things that the Lord is doing. I will show you, the Lord says. I will make of you a great nation, the Lord says. I will bless you, the Lord says. I will bless those who bless you. All of these things that the Lord is doing, Again, I think there's five of them uh, in this text here. And so we just take a look at all five of those things, and that's repetition. And we want to just make sure that we make note of that as we study. And so really, at the end of these three verses, as we're reading this narrative, we're kind of left with this gigantic question that stands unanswered. The Lord is calling Abram to do some pretty significant things, if, you, if we think about it. I mean, leaving his place of comfort and going to a land that he does not yet know. And the question, really, that we are kind of stuck with here is, how will Abram respond? And as we answer that question... That question also leads us into how we actually break down different texts of Scripture, divide them out and find meaning and know kind of where to make the breaks in the chapters. And one of the things that we can look for when we're making breaks in a chapter and trying to determine where a good section to stop is, is we can look for transitional phrases. And Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, really uses transitional phrases well. So in verse 1, a new paragraph starts, which is a sign here next to the word now. That means that this is a new paragraph. So this is a good place for a break between chapter 11 and chapter 12. And obviously that's why chapter 12 begins here. But we ended at verse 3 because there's another natural transition right here in verse 4, as we move to the next screen, and it's this word, 
so. And again, you can see that there's a paragraph break. And so this is a good indication that it's a good place for us to break and look at a new section of Scripture. So we're left with this question, how will Abram respond? The Lord has called him to go. What will Abram do? Verse 4, uh, Abram responds in obedience. So Abram went. That's a good thing, isn't it? He went as the Lord had told him. And I think one of the interesting observations that we can see in verses 4 to 6 that's different than verses 1 to 3, kind of contrasting, is verses 4 to 6 are all about Abram's response. Verses 1 to 3, this is what the Lord's going to do. Now verses 4 to 6, this is Abram's response. So Abram went. Uh, he departed. He took, Abram took his wife and Lot, his brother's son, all the possessions, the people that they had acquired, uh, and he set out to go to the land. Um, he passed through the land of the place of Shechem. Um, and so all of these things in verses 4 to 6 point us to actions that relate back to Abraham. Verses 1 to 3, God. Verses 4 to 6, Abram's response. So now, just as we were left with a dilemma at the end of verse 3, asking the question, how will Abram respond? We're left with a dilemma again at the end of verse 6, because the Lord has called him to this land. And what we can observe at the end of verse 6 is that when Abram gets to the land, there's a little bit of a dilemma in that make this uh, yellow, a little bit of a caution. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. So the land is not unoccupied. That's an observation that we need to make at the beginning of Abram's narrative. There are people living there. And this would seem to stand in opposition to the promises that God has made to Abram in verses 1 to 3. And so we have to, again, ask the question as we come to this point. What happens next? And again, when we ask a question like that, it's an indication that it's another good place to kind of break and begin another portion of text. And so we move to the final two verses three verses that we're going to look at today, verses 7 to 9. And again, we're met with this kind of transitional phrase. Even though it's not a new paragraph, we have the word then. And that's a good place to know that, that it's a good time to break and look for some new meaning in these verses. So we had now, so, then. So what's happening here in verses 7 to 9. There's this dilemma that people are in the land. I'm sure Abram's a bit discouraged because obviously this is the land the Lord is calling him to and people are living in it. So the Lord appears to Abram again. He has not left him. He stayed with him. And I think that's a significant observation to make uh, that the Lord uh, appeared and didn't just appear, but also spoke again to Abram. And he says, to your offspring, 
to your offspring, I will give this land. And now this is a, an interesting word that's used, to your offspring, because when we read up here in verses 4 to 6, we're told that Abram was 75 years old. And so as we're making observation, we might wonder what offspring. The text doesn't indicate that Abram had any children. And so another dilemma is presenting itself right away at the beginning of chapter 12. And if we didn't know Abram's narrative, we may be waiting. Where are Abram's children? Only to find that Sarah's barren and he has none. And that is a major part of his story. And so the Lord appears to your offspring, I will give this land. And then we have to love Abram's response. Abram responds appropriately to the Lord's direction. He builds an altar to the Lord. He builds an altar. He continues on. He moves on to the hill country, pitches his tent, puts down roots, and he builds another altar to the Lord and calls upon the name of the Lord. And so, as Abram comes to this land and gets to the land and sees that the land is occupied, the Lord appears again and makes another promise that he will give this land to his offspring. And Abram responds in worship, calling out to the Lord and showing a dependence on him as he continues on journeying toward the Negev. And it's important for us to know um, in this narrative that the Negev actually is southern southern Canaan. That's actually where the Negev is. And so really, in the first nine verses of Genesis, as we end our time together here, there are three themes really that are carried along through Abram's narrative that really come to bear just in the first nine verses. And really, we can represent those themes in three words. Land, seed, or offspring, and blessing. And so, the question will be, as we continue to move forward in Abram's narrative, how will the Lord accomplish the promises that he's made to Abram? Next time we get together, we're going to look at these same nine verses, but we're actually going to be answering the question of what does it mean? So we've just answered the question, what do I see? Perhaps you've made even more observations. That would be wonderful. Next time we gather, we're going to ask the question, what does it mean? Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We'll see you again soon. Take care.